Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, September 18th. Here are Election 2020 updates from today's show. President Trump's response to the pandemic showed a flat-out disregard for human life because his main concern was the economy and his re-election. That is a direct quote from a senior advisor on the White House Coronavirus Task Force who left just last month. Olivia Troy, who worked as a Homeland Security, Counterterrorism, and Coronavirus Advisor to Vice President Pence for two years, says the administration's response cost lives, and that's why she's voting for Joe Biden. She described her terrifying experience inside the Trump White House in an interview with our Josh Dossey. She said the president's rhetoric and his own attacks against people in his administration trying to do the hard work of keeping Americans safe, as well as the promulgation of false narratives and incorrect information about the virus, have made the government's ongoing response a failure. Olivia is the first Trump administration official who worked extensively on the coronavirus response to forcefully speak out on the record against Trump and his handling of the pandemic. She joins a growing number of former officials, including former National Security Advisor John Bolton and former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, who have detailed their worries about what they saw when they were on the inside. The amount of criticism this president has faced from former aides is unprecedented. The White House, of course, as they always do, dismissed Olivia as nothing more than a disgruntled former employee. They also tried to inaccurately minimize her role on the task force and disputed her characterization that the pandemic response is not going well. Olivia is 43. She's worried about her career and her family. She's always been a behind-the-scenes person, an unseen sentinel in our national security apparatus working to keep us safe. But she's scared, scared for the future of the country. And she feels a moral obligation, after many sleepless nights, to go public, even if it doesn't move any votes. Olivia warned that she would be skeptical of any vaccine produced ahead of the election because she worries that its release will be due to political pressure. She explained that she would not tell anyone that she cares about to take a vaccine that launches prior to the election. She said it's worth waiting to make sure it's safe in other people and not just a political prop. Olivia has been a major participant in the task force's work, attending and helping to organize every single meeting it held from February through July. She worked closely with Pence on the response, including establishing the agenda for each meeting, preparing the vice president and arranging briefings for him, writing and editing his public comments, and dealing with his political aides. She was often pictured sitting against the back wall of the White House Situation Room near Pence during these meetings. It was her assistant, who would send the seating chart to officials across the administration for the meetings. Now, Olivia is a lifelong Republican. She started her career as a staffer for the Republican National Committee. But when she saw the Pentagon burning on September 11th, 2001, she decided she needed to serve our country. She worked at the Pentagon as a George W. Bush political appointee and then became a career official at the Departments of Homeland Security and then Energy during the Obama administration, before joining Pence's office in 2018 as an employee detailed from DHS. She said Trump usually was not focused on the virus, but would often blindside the task force and senior administration officials with his public comments, such as his support for the drug hydroxychloroquine, his skeptical comments about masks, 
and his public musings about herd immunity. Olivia says many of the Trump comments were the opposite of what had been discussed and agreed upon in the Situation Room and were at odds with scientific recommendations and the administration's own data. Trump rarely attended those task force meetings, she says, and was only briefed on top-level discussions by Pence. When Trump attended one of the meetings, she says he spoke for a solid 45 minutes about how poorly he was being treated by certain personalities on Fox News. She remembers him spending more time talking about who was going to call Fox and yell at them to set them straight than he did talking about the contagion. She said Trump even mused aloud that this virus could be good for him because it would mean that he didn't have to shake hands with disgusting people. She took that as a reference by him to his own supporters. Olivia said that she's had a lot of closed-door conversations with other senior people across the White House and the administration where they agreed wholeheartedly with her perspective. In other election-related news, the chief judge of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Washington said last night that policies put in place under Trump's postmaster general, Louis DeJoy, will likely slow down delivery of ballots this fall, creating a, quote, substantial possibility that many voters will be disenfranchised and the states may not be able to effectively, timely, and accurately determine election outcomes. So he issued a temporary injunction. This is the first major decision to come out of several lawsuits filed by states against the Postal Service. They are worried about a concerted effort by Trump and DeJoy to impede the vote on November 3rd. In his written order, Judge Stanley Bastian laid out more than a page of specific prohibitions on the Postal Service until a final judgment is reached in the case. These restrictions could broadly affect the agency's services. He connected the USPS policies to Trump's larger broadsides against mail voting, saying that taken together, the actions amount to voter disenfranchisement. Meanwhile, our Aaron Davis has a new story this morning about a pattern of campaign contributions by former employees and family members of DeJoy that indicate a possible effort to reimburse his associates for federal donations as recently as 2018. This, of course, would be a serious crime, though DeJoy denies any wrongdoing. Also, through a Freedom of Information Act request, we have gotten our hands on nearly 10,000 pages of internal emails and memos from inside the Postal Service that shed new light on just how bad it is on the inside. The documents, which mostly span March and April, depict an agency in distress as its deteriorating finances collided with a public health emergency and a looming election that would be heavily reliant on absentee ballots. During this period, the USPS turned for legal guidance to several well-connected Republicans, among them Stefan Passantino, who recently served as a top White House lawyer under Trump. Now, he's also the leader of a pro-Trump legal coalition that's been preparing for the possibility of a contested election. His role has not been previously reported until now. The relationship raises a host of serious ethical red flags. But that's actually not the most unsettling thing that we found in the tranche of emails. Back in April, USPS leadership drafted a press release announcing plans to distribute 650 million masks nationwide. The document, which includes quotations from top Postal Service officials and a range of specifics, was never sent. The idea for sending out the masks originated at the Department of Health and Human Services, 
which suggested a pack of five reusable masks be sent to every residential address in the country. The first shipments would have gone to the hardest hit areas. At the time, the CDC had been working on coronavirus guidance that recommended face coverings, a reversal of its previous position, in the face of mounting evidence that people could spread the virus without experiencing symptoms. The Postal Service identified Orleans and Jefferson's Parish in Louisiana as the first place that would receive the coverings, and then shortly thereafter to King County in Washington, Wayne County in Michigan, and New York City. But right before the news release was supposed to be sent, the Trump White House nixed the plan. Senior administration officials confirmed that this happened. One administration official says the plan was scrapped because there was concern on the White House Domestic Policy Council and by the vice president that households receiving masks might create concern or panic about how bad the virus really was. In retrospect, that decision almost certainly caused more Americans to die than would have otherwise. Nearly 200,000 Americans have now perished from COVID, the worst death toll of any country in the world. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. 